Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Like I said, I am so happy to be back home. When Pastor texted and asked if I wanted to bring the word today, I was like, yes, I'm so ready. I'm so ready to be back. I miss worshiping um, with you guys. It's just, it's been something. Um, I want to thank you guys for the calls, for the text, for the visits, for the meals, for the grocery gift cards, for the care baskets. You guys were so loving towards me and my family during this season. But mostly I want to thank you for your prayers because I know that you guys were praying for me. And I know because I felt them. So it is amazing to belong to a family, like Pastor Melissa was saying, that prays for you. When even if you don't know it, you feel it. And you know that you have a, a community that you can trust. So I'm thankful for that. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, let me just tell you, um, for the last couple of months, it's been a little, it's been a rough. I had to have surgery in March. I had a hysterectomy, uh, and then I thought that was going to be it, right? They say four to six weeks, you're good to go back. Um, that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, I had a, a problem with my bladder, and so I had to go to a second surgery April 25th. And uh, Wednesday, I went to my checkup, and the doctor said the surgery was successful. You're good, and you just need to take it easy for four more weeks. So as much as I want to shout and, and jump and everything, I still cannot. And, but it's okay. I'm already on, on, on my way out. Um, so I praise God because I know that he was with me. And I know that um, there was a purpose in it. And at the time, I didn't understand it. But I can tell you that there's been a couple of people that I've been able to talk to who are struggling with what I was struggling with. And so, although it was really hard, I know that it was because I was going to have those conversations and I was able to say, you can get through it because God is going to be with you. So, I, I, it's hard, but hey, I praise God in the midst of everything. And so, I'm happy to be back. So, let's go ahead and open our Bibles. I hope you guys are ready. This has been a word that has been kind of brewing for uh, the last couple of months uh, during my still season. God knew that he had to sit me down for a little while because I was always busy and I was doing a lot. And so he probably said, if I don't make you chill for a little while... <laughs> You're not going to receive what I have for you. And he's been pouring new things into my life and into my spirit. And I'm thankful for my still season. So if you're in your still season, just open your ears and open your spirit. Because God is trying to teach you something. Let's go to Daniel 3, 15 to 27. A very well-known story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, 15 to 27. And I'm going to ask you to stand so we can read the word of God. Are y'all so quiet? 
Daniel 3, 15 to 27. It was a little hard to decide what I was going to read because everything is so good, but I'll give you guys the background in a little bit. Let's go ahead and read. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times harder than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The, king, the king's command was to urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames and the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the straps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Father God, for the privilege that you give me this morning to bring this word to your people. I ask, my God, that you take over. Let your Holy Spirit take over this morning, my God, and that I might be able to speak what you want the people to hear, Father. Nothing of what I have to say, but only what you have for them this morning. I thank you, my God, for everyone that's here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so let me give you the background of the story. Like I said, how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got here. The book of Daniel opens up with King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who was from Babylon, taking over Judah, where Jehoiakim was king. They took some articles from the temple of God, and they went and put them on the treasure house of his God. He also ordered to bring um, from, from uh, the, some Israelites to Babylon uh, because they wanted, he wanted them to go into the king's service. He wanted them to be handsome, educated, and quick to understand because they will be educated in the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Okay, so this is where Daniel uh, who, and then Hananiah, Mishael, and Hasariah come in because that was their name, their birth-given name. And they were some of the young men that were taken back to Babylon. Then when they took them, they changed their name 
Daniel was changed to Belshazzar, Hananiah to Shadrach, Mishael to Meshach, and Azariah to Abednego. I know, mouthful. Especially for a girl that Spanish is her main language. The chief had ordered to give them the food and the wine directly from the king's table. I'm sure you guys kind of know the story. And they had decided not to defile themselves with the food and the wine of the king. And so they um, talked to the chief and they asked him if they could not. And they could only eat vegetables for 10 days and water. And the word says that God caused the official to show favor and compassion towards Daniel. So at the end of those 10 days, they look healthier than those who were eating the food from the king's table. When they were taken to the king at the end of their training and he talked to them, he realized that these guys were um, no comparison to the rest of them. In fact, they were found 10 times better than the ones who were eating and drinking from the king's table. And so they enter into the king's service. The word says that God gave this form of knowledge and understanding And Daniel was able to understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And later it became handy because King Nebuchadnezzar would have a dream that no one was able to interpret except for Daniel. Um, When he had this dream, he called his um, sorcerers and astrologers and all that to not only interpret the dream, but he wanted them to tell him the dream and then interpret it. Or they would die. So, of course, they weren't able to do this. Uh, And so he sent the decree for all the wise men to be put to death. When they came looking for them, uh, Daniel, obviously, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the category of wise men. Daniel asked the commander, why was this this decree issue? What happened? He said it's because they weren't able to tell him his dream and interpret it, uh, the king's dream. He said, can we have time? Uh, just give me a little bit of time so that I'll be able to interpret his dream. So Daniel goes back home. He talks to his friends and he says, let's pray and plead for mercy from God so that I can interpret the dream and that they wouldn't all be executed. That night, God revealed it to Daniel in a vision. So the next morning, Daniel goes to the commander and tells him, can you take me to the king? God revealed to me what the dream was and what it meant. So when Daniel goes before the king, he tells him, king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain it to you. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I truly admire their boldness through it all because although they were away from their land and they were serving someone who honored idols and false gods, every opportunity these men had, they were letting people know the God that they served. The king said, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. So he told them, this was just dream, and this is what it meant. And he was the only one who was able to do that. After this event, Daniel was placed in a high position and became a ruler over the entire providence of Babylon. And he was placed in charge of all the wise men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became administrators over the providence of Babylon. So now we're on Daniel 3. Okay, where we read. And this is the scene of the building of the image of gold. 
the word says that this image was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. The king called everyone, the governors, advisors, the judges, for the dedication of this image. So it was pretty much a big old party. That we're going to dedicate this image and I want everyone to be there. And so when they heard the sound of the instruments, they all fell down and worshipped the image of gold. But then some of the astrologers came to the king. And I, I read it as like, fueron de chismosos. They went with the chisme, right? And they tell the king, didn't you say whoever does not fall down and worship the image will be thrown into the blazing furnace? Because there are some Jews whom you actually have in charge of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They don't serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. When I read that, I was kind of like, how rude. They would have been dead if it wasn't because of Daniel, right? Because they weren't able to interpret the dream. So in a way, they kind of owed their life to Daniel. And they knew that these guys were Daniel's friends. But they didn't care. Had Daniel not revealed the dream to the king, they would have died. But instead of being thankful, they went and told the king what was happening. I want to think that maybe Nebuchadnezzar had forgotten, right, the interpretation of the dream. And that God had revealed it to Daniel because it was the same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served. Because I don't think his response would have been, what God will rescue you from my hand? I want to be able to compare the king's response to the tactics of the enemy when we face difficult situations. He won't pass the opportunity to whisper in your ear, do you really think God can rescue you? Kind of like, who's going to... Who's going to free you from my hand? Do you really think God's going to go in there with you? Is going to be there with you? And it's so easy to focus on the fear and not on the one who can be in the fire with us. This morning, my prayer is that your faith will be strengthened. The faith that these men display is admirable because they weren't willing to compromise their faith, even if it meant death. I want you to take four points with you this morning. The first one is God is able. And if you take notes, I want you to write it down. God is able. The first thing I want to highlight is that, like that said, the God we serve is able. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us. So his ability is not in question. He's able to get us out of whatever situation we're facing. He's able to give you your healing. He's able to give you that promotion. He's able to remove that anxiety. He's able to give you the baby that your heart desires. But I want you to hear this. His ability does not equal his response. Job is an, uh, Job is another perfect example of uh, no matter what the circumstances look like kind of guy. His devotion to God wouldn't change. Job said after losing everything, he lost his sons, he lost his daughters, he lost his cattle, he, lo he lost absolutely everything except the nagging wife. He did not lose that. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I would depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. 
May the name of the Lord be praised. After he had lost everything. The scripture follows by saying, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Not once did he question God. Not once did he say, why? Not once did he say, God, what happened? Not one time. He praised him in the midst of losing everything and being in pain from what he was going through in his body. Know that going through the fire does not mean that God is not there with you. Instead, while going through the fire, we need to ask, what do you want to teach me while I'm in the fire? Faith is more about the unseen and the unknown than the seen and the knowing. Simply knowing God is able is enough to face any fear. When you are going through the fire, number two, you will have peace. Why do I say this? The Bible doesn't say that the guys had peace. It doesn't say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had peace right before they were going to be thrown into the blazing furnace. We don't read it, but we know it. You know why? Because it says that once the king ordered the furnace to be made seven times harder and called his stronger soldiers to tie them, they didn't fight for their life. They just let them. So they had peace. They knew what was going to happen, but they weren't freaking out and crying and screaming. They let them tie them. They knew what was coming. That's an incredible amount of peace and confidence in the God that they served. The word says that the fire was so hot, it killed the soldiers who threw them in. Can you imagine that? The first thing that goes out the window when facing a difficult time is peace. Do you all agree? Peace is not, oh, you receive a, a bad uh, news from the doctor or you lose your job or something's happening at home. You're not like, oh, man, I have so much peace. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. In our human minds, peace is not the first thing that comes to mind. It's worry, it's anxiety, it's questions, it's everything but peace. Now, when I tell you that when I was uh, facing uh, the fact that I was going to have a hysterectomy, and it was this happened in October of last year that I knew it was going to happen, my world crumbled. I was pretty sure that just removing the fibrils and the cysts was going to be enough, and I will be back to normal in no time. Four to six weeks, I said, I'm good. I was supposed to have the surgery back in December, but I decided to postpone it. Honestly, I was mad. I was confused and I was broken. I was so sure that I would be able to have another baby. My heart desired another baby with all my heart. I had prayed. My faith was not the question. I had faith that he could do it. And I prayed for the miracle more times than I can remember. I even received a word that I was going to have another baby. But in prayer, you know what God spoke to me? And it was a slap to the face. James 2.17. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. I knew I had this issue a long time ago. And I should have taken care of the problem. And I didn't. So my faith did not follow action. Therefore, 
I was faced with the consequences. When that happened, I had peace. When God said, this is why it didn't happen, I had peace. Had I taken care of the issue years ago, I probably would have been able to give birth again, but I didn't. And sometimes we just wait and um, hope that God's just going to answer. God, I know you can do it. God, I know you can do it. You're diabetic. And God, I know you can do it. And you're still eating McDonald's every day. God, I know you can do it. But your faith, if if it doesn't have action behind it, it's not going to work. You got to put in the work. You got to want to go on a diet. You got to want to put down the burger. You got to want to change your lifestyle. I should have taken care of the issue, and I didn't. I knew that God was going to be with me no matter what was coming. I fought the decision for two months. And in January, I scheduled my surgery, and I could tell you, although I was nervous and scared, I had peace. Now, let me be completely transparent. When I was facing with the possibility of a second surgery, peace went out the window. And I realized that I like to have control of things. I was talking to Pastor Melissa about that. I'm like, you know what, Melissa, if you would have asked me a few months ago if I like to control things, I would have told you, no, I go with the flow. That's not true. I do like to control things, or I did like to control things. Not in a sense that I want you to do what I want you to do, but, like, I want to know what's going to happen. Like, if you're going to tell me in December this is happening, when well, December needs to happen. Like, I, I don't like the unknown, and that's control. And God showed it to me. Girl, it's when you don't have control, and you can only depend on me, that it's when I'm going to move. I like, I like to know what is going to happen, like I said. But when I heard that I needed a second surgery because now my bladder had a hole in it, I freaked out and I was a crying mess. Because my sister, she was there. And then I talked to my husband. My faith, was, my faith was being put to the test. I remember having a text conversation with my husband and pastor. And I was telling him that I was scared to have a second surgery. But I was holding on to faith. Right, And God spoke to me through his response, and he said, and I quote, and he probably doesn't remember, faith and fear can't both coexist. You can't be led by both. Faith will always be in the presence of fierce temptation. Otherwise, it will be easy. But you have to slay it daily, Walk in faith over and in the midst of fear because you can't be led by both. Your soul will cave to one or the other. We lie to ourselves if we say we aren't afraid even when we're full of faith. But if the fear stops the faith, then we are being led by it and not faith. Pastor Ryan, put it on a t-shirt. It's good. And then he said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going all... What, what's the word that you use? No. Um, I'll, I'll come to it. But, uh, but it, it was so powerful what he said. And, and I would read it. When I was struggling, I would read that little piece. Because 
I was not going to be controlled by fear, but by faith. And God used so many other people that would just text me, I'm praying for you, Pastor D. Or they would send me a video like, hey, I was watching this and you came to mind. And it was so um, uh, timely when it would happen. It was, I was either crying when nobody was around. I was having a difficult time and then these little things were coming. So God's letting me know, I know you're having a hard time, girl, but I'm with you. And you have people that are praying with you. God was letting me know that I wasn't alone. Sometimes we are embarrassed to share our struggles. That's what Pastor was saying. Pride. But there is power in numbers. Get you a couple of people that you can trust. And that you know that are going to help you pray. And have them pray with you. And have them pray over you. Because the enemy likes to keep you silent. Because if you don't share your struggles. Then you're struggling alone. And the only voice you're listening is his. But when you are transparent. You're able to share what you're going through. Don't share it with everybody. Don't put it on Facebook or on Instagram. But get you a couple of people that you know you can trust. And that are going to intercede with you. And you will see that God is with you in the process. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had fear, but their faith and peace was greater. My third point, you won't even smell like fire. (laughs) The king asked, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They said, certainly, your majesty. To the king's surprise, not only were they not burning, but there was a fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so he ordered them to come out, and they didn't even smell like fire. (laughs) So when you know that God is with you through the process, through whatever you're facing, you're going to come out not even smelling like fire. And people around you are going to be like, how did you do it? How did you get through that? And you didn't lose it. How did that happen? You won't even smell like fire. You'll be able to be a testimony. When your faith is this strong, you won't even smell like fire. A couple of months ago, we went out of town. We were able to visit Enchanted Rock. We were walking up the rocks, and I came across a rock and got ministered to my life through this, what I saw. And I have a picture. I don't know if you have it out there. Up there. See, you see that? Okay, now look at the picture. That is not a mustard seed tree, okay, just saying. But what God ministered to my life was, Damaris, when you read faith is small as a mustard seed, it doesn't mean your faith needs to be that small. But what the seed can grow into, it starts as small as a mustard seed, but the roots can become so strong that it can break through the rock. Look at that. The roots of that tree, whatever tree that is, grew so strong into the rock that it broke the rock in half. Later, pastor said that, you can take it up. Later, pastor said the same thing in one of his preachings, and I was mind blown. Because I'm like, man, I have never seen it like that. How are your faith roots this morning? One of the most talked about verses when it comes to faith is when Peter walked on water, right? But even then, fear took over, and what happened? He began to sink. So fear is a natural reaction. How we respond to the fire is what makes the difference. 
I understand that God allowed my faith to be tested because he wanted to pull something new out of me. When we see in Job's case that the enemy asked God for permission to take everything from Job and God granted him permission to do it. Then we see something similar in the Last Supper scenario when Jesus tells Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. And then he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Two things I love about this verse, that your faith may not fail. Two, strengthen your brothers. In between surgeries, I had a break. I was able to sing for night of worship, and I was so excited. But I also remember crying to God and asking him to heal me because I did not want to go through a second surgery. I was, I was scared. I knew that he could do it. Why are we sing? That he can do it, that he's a miracle worker. But as I'm there worshiping and praying and saying, God, I know you can do it. God, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. He tells me, go pray for healing over Brenda. And I asked her for permission to say her name. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm asking you to heal me. And you're asking me to go pray for healing over someone else? And it was hard. It was hard to receive. And it was, you know, it was hard to do. But I knew that if I listened, he was going to minister to my life in a different way. I understood that me facing something didn't mean I couldn't intercede on behalf of others for what I so desperately needed and wanted. And so I did. She was right there. And I was crying, guys, because I didn't understand why God was doing that to me. Really, God, I serve you. I'm here. Like, why can't you just snap your fingers and I'm healed? And he said, no. What you need, you need to go pray over someone else. And that night, can I tell you that I felt his presence in such a beautiful way? And his Holy Spirit ministered to my heart and my life in such a powerful way because I chose obedience over what I wanted. Because it's not my way, it's his way. And whatever he wanted to do, I knew that it's whatever he wanted to do. My third, my fourth point, even if, and this is my, my, my favorite thing, even if, even if he didn't heal me, I would choose obedience. My prayers from that night forward changed to I know you can. But even if you don't, it doesn't change who you are because you are still good and because you are still God. And my faith roots grew stronger. And Pastor Danny was saying that this morning. Sometimes we, we just, God, because of what you can do, but God deserves the honor and the glory simply because he is God. Just because he is God. I think sometimes we get stuck in the fact that God is able to do it all. And it's true. But what if he doesn't? 
How will you respond then? Will that change your view of God, your worship, or your service to him? Will you draw closer or pull away because he didn't do it? Being able wasn't the question for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were uh, facing the blazing furnace. They knew God was able, but even if he didn't, they would still honor him. Even if. So I don't know what you may be facing this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your situation, but I do know that we all face something. It could be small. It could be huge. But your honor to God and your praise and your worship cannot be determined by what God does in your life and your circumstances. It cannot determine. And the enemy will do that. And he will want to change your worship. And he will want to change how you seek him. And he will want you to not come to church. Don't listen to that. Because there is something that happens. There's a breakthrough that happens when you push through that. And when you say, no matter what, God, even if, even if, even if I'm going to worship you because you are good and because you are God. Can I call the worship team up, please? I don't want you to get confused this morning and say, so do you want me to believe God can't work in my situation? No, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. He can do it. I don't want you to question your faith. The opposite, actually. I want for your faith roots to be so strong that even if he doesn't answer you, you will still honor him. God did not heal me. I had to go to a second surgery. But I will tell you, though, that I, will, I faced that one with a different attitude than the first one. The first one, I went in very confident. Like, okay, God, six weeks, I'm good. The second one was completely unexpected. But that's when God ministered. I think that maybe, I, I told God, I'm like, you, you, you kind of have a mean sense of humor. He was like, oh, you didn't, you didn't just depend on me with the first one? Okay, I'm going to send you a second one. And I see things different now. Because I know that God deserves all the glory and all the honor, even if he didn't allow me to give birth to another baby. He did not lose his power just because I didn't receive my promise. He's still God and he still loves me. And he's not done with me yet. And if the enemy went up to God and said, can I mess with Damaris a little bit? And God said, sure. I want to know that I passed the test because I did not, I did not lose sight of who God was in my life. Don't let your circumstances determine who God is in your life. Yes, I couldn't give birth to another kid. But he did allow me to give birth to an amazing human over there that should come out soon. I was able to know what motherhood feels like. Not only that, he gave me the privilege to raise two other humans that are back there 
that love me and I love them as if I would have given birth to them. I could have gotten stuck on being mad, and you can get stuck on being mad at God. When is my husband going to come, God? When is my wife going to come? When is my anxiety no longer going to be there? When is this thing no longer be something that does not let me push through? I don't know. He does. But what if he's testing your faith? What if you're able to say, look, God, even if you don't, and I had the conversation, I said, God, even if you don't, I will worship you with all that I am and with all that I have. And if you do, woohoo! <laughs> but even if you don't, I know that God gave me this word to remind some of you that yes, he's able. But your devotion and service to God cannot only be because you know he can do something for you, but simply because he is God. I hope that you took to heart these four things. God is able. Yes, don't doubt. God can give you peace in the process. When you go through the fire, you won't even smell like fire. But even if he doesn't, he's still good and he's still God. And we need to choose obedience over an answer. Can I ask you to stand? There's my, there's my, my human being that the Lord allowed me to, to raise. you're facing can I ask the prayer team to come up please I don't know what your circumstance looks like right now this morning but I do know that God wants to give you peace that in your waiting he wants you to know that he will be the fourth man in the fire that you don't have to face it alone he wants to give you peace and he wants you to be surrounded by people that are going to speak life over you, that are going to pray for you, that are going to intercede for your need. And I want you to be able to come to the altar. Don't stay in your seat because you're embarrassed. Because embarrassment and pride will keep you in your chair. If you want to push through with an overflowing peace going through it, I want you to come to the front. And this prayer team prays every Sunday for each and every one of you who are going to walk through the door. And whatever it is that you share with them, they're going to pray with you, they're going to intercede for you, and they're going to go home and continue praying for that. So don't stay in your seat this morning. Come to the altar as the worship team sings this song. Know that God is in the fire with you. Know that you are not alone this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.